My friends, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our readings today come from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31a. If you want to pull up in your pew Bibles, it is on page 1046. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this, but God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power and gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're going to go ahead and start out with a little bit of history there. That was a lot of words. A lot of words. According to the book of Acts, Paul had lived in Corinth for at least 18 months. There's Corinth, if you can see it. It's the green dot on the left. For, so for at least 18 months, um, it is believed that while he was writing this letter, he was living in Ephesus, which is over here to the right. 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter, but 
we don't have a copy of the first letter, so we just call it 1 Corinthians. The people of the congregation in Corinth were very diverse, both ethnically and socially. Most of these people were Gentiles, or as I said, Greeks, but there were some Christian Jews, similar to now our Jews for Christians that we have here. It is assumed that 1 Corinthians is a letter written in response to messages that Paul received. You may or may not be aware that Corinth was not really considered a wholesome place. There were plenty of temptations, and Paul knew this. Paul was also concerned that there were divisions there in the church. This section of his letter that we just read addresses that in terms of the church Unity and diversity go hand in hand. This diversity is reflected in verse 13 when he says, For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. That means we are all united as closely as possible with the one and the same spirit of God who dwells within us. So how does diversity and unity work together? In order to illustrate this point, Paul talks about the body. The human body is an amazing creation. God gave us quite the gift when he created us. Have you ever really looked at your hands? In the preschool, we say, gentle hands, every time we want the kids to be careful because they're not using their hands correctly. Take a moment and just look at your hands. Like, look at the back sides. Look at how they look. When I was younger, I remember looking at my hands and comparing them to people around me that were of different ages. And I know that my hands have definitely changed over time. I've got some wrinkles on there that I didn't have when I was younger. Maybe your hands are nice and smooth because you use moisturizer. Good for you. Maybe you see long fingernails. Maybe you see lots of calluses from working super, super hard. Seeing wrinkles, seeing calluses, seeing smooth hands, they're all our hands. Now, look at your palm. Look at your fingers and your thumb. <gasps> Amazing, they all move together. Pretend that you are carefully holding an egg in your hand. How gentle your hand is. Now, pretend that your dog just saw a squirrel and you have to hold onto the leash really, really tight because it's pulling away. Maybe some of us have done that. I know I do. My dog Spartan loves squirrels. It's wonderful. So not only did your hands and fingers squeeze and get tight, so did the muscles in your arms. And if you have a big dog, there were some other muscles that were activated there too. Now think about your feet. I would say look at your feet, but I have a feeling because it's so cold today, we're not wearing sandals or open-toed shoes like we normally would. So just think about your feet. When we stand on our feet, we walk, we can run, we can jump, we can dance. We don't need to look at our feet or tell our feet to do these things. It just happens. We don't have to think about how our foot makes contact with the ground or how our toes and our heel works together to give us balance. Except when it doesn't work so well, then we really have to think about it. I saw something kind of funny on Facebook the other day. It said, the main function of the little toe on your foot is to make sure that all the furniture in your house is in one place where it's supposed to be. <laughs> now, personally, 
I think the furniture is doing this. I think they're plotting against us to hurt our little toes. If a part, oh sorry, our organs and our limbs work together, every single part is important. Even the appendix at one point was important. If part of our body is not working well or is injured, the entire body suffers. When you stub that little toe, that little toe doesn't feel so little anymore. It hurts, and that pain registers throughout your entire body. Verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. At the beginning of chapter 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Here at the end of chapter 12, Paul goes on to talk about some of the gifts that people are given through God and the Holy Spirit. He also mentions how we don't all possess all of the gifts or all of the same gifts. While we can't be certain exactly what was happening in Corinth at the time, Paul's writings lead us to believe that people may have been treating these gifts with different levels of importance. Perhaps they were even comparing gifts and one's own worth or importance based on those gifts. But God did not give us our gifts so that we would be jealous of one another or so we could feel superior or inferior to each other. God gave us these gifts so we can work together to glorify him. The church cannot function with just pastors or teachers or with just healers or helpers or administrators. Our diverse gifts, when combined, allow us to work together for a common goal, to help others learn about Jesus. So think of your favorite movie for a moment. Think of all the people it took to make that movie a success. Obviously, you've got the actors, you've got the actresses, you've got the supporting roles, you've got the extras that walk around and do things. They're all important. And then you've got the director, the producer, people that are filming, people that are editing the film. Um, you've got the composers and the musicians for the music that you hear. But you also have the prop person and the caterers who provide food for those people. Maybe movies aren't your thing. Maybe football is. So we're going to go with the local team, Tampa Bay Bucks. Here's where there's some participation involved. Are you ready? Shout out the name of the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Ah, oh, good job. You guys do know this stuff. I knew this would work. It's not my favorite team. I think my husband was about to um, maybe vomit when he saw this picture in my slides because we actually cheer for the Carolina Panthers. Not a fan of the Bucks. What? Oh, no, retired Brady. Oh, that's the end. We'll see. So we got, we got that. Tom Brady, good. Who is the head coach? Ah, good job. Name one of the tight ends. Good, that's who I had too. Name one of the linebackers. Jason Pierre-Paul? Maybe, oh, maybe, okay. Name one of the team doctors. Dr. Team, nice, Doug, thank you. How about Fred Brennan and Barry Craythorn? How about the ball boy? The ball boy is actually Tom Brady's son named Jack. What's the name of the person that lines the field? I have no idea. I have no idea. I could not find that one anywhere. 
But those people are all important, right? You get the point. While some of these jobs or positions are more well-known or more recognized, others are not. But without them, the show or the game could not go on. The same is here, is true right here in our church. Much better picture, that's better. We are going to have a luncheon after church today where you'll get to meet some of our elders and our deacons that are currently serving at the church. But God has given each of us gifts. And these gifts only work if we are using the right gifts. Just like an elbow cannot eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, although the preschoolers might disagree, and your nose, while it may run during the cold, can't help you run, we need to look to God for guidance on how to use the gifts that we've been given. Now, how do we identify these gifts? Spiritual gifts tests are great, surveys like that. You could also ask the people that know you. They often can tell you what your gifts are before you might even realize it. Also, consider what you enjoy doing. Some people enjoy serving. Other people enjoy leading or maybe teaching. Sometimes we may need to further develop the gifts, and other times they'll come very easily. But there is no right or wrong or good or bad gift. They're gifts, and they're gifts from God. The important thing is to share our gifts with each other so that we can work as one body. No one single person can do all the work. Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. We are meant to be and work in communion with one another. Now, contrary to what you might think, I'm actually a very introverted person. I like long bubble baths and being by myself with nobody around. COVID time when everybody was in my house was really hard. Quite the opposite, my husband is extremely extroverted. He loves people. I can be extroverted, but it completely drains me. Whereas he gets all his energy from being around people. You should, it just lights up. It's great. When something needs to be planned or organized, I take care of it. If a phone call needs to be made, don't like that, or if somebody needs help, he takes care of it. That's just what he does. Doesn't mean I can't help, although I can't be very fun, I know that. But and it doesn't mean that he can't organize. It just means that we have gifts and we figure out what works best for us. It's what we naturally do. Not everyone is going to be a pastor. Not everyone is going to be a teacher or a choir director or a member in the choir or the person that puts together the flowers. Thank you, May. They look beautiful today. But everyone here can and should find a way to contribute to God's kingdom, both here at PCOL and within the church universal. We also need to be careful not to rank our gifts in order of importance. When I was taking my classes last semester, one of our topics was, where does the pastor come from to get to the pulpit? It wasn't just a logistics question. You see, it's important for pastors to remember that they come from the congregation. They are members of the body of Christ. They are participants in worship that just so happen to be commissioned to preach by the people to whom they are about to preach. Those that preach aren't any holier or more favored than anyone else. Preachers are regular people. 
They just happen to have a desire or a gift to share God's word from the pulpit. Okay, enough heavy stuff. Now, more participation. Pop quiz time. Who drives the golf cart on Sunday mornings? Ah, oh, good job, Jennifer does. You can see her pictured here with her family. She's sitting in the back. Wave hi, Jennifer. Yay, woohoo. Who typically, wasn't today, because he's not here, that's a hint. Who typically unlocks the CE building and makes sure coffee is going and things like that? Good job, John Thomas, pictured here with his lovely wife, Sonia. We love Sonia. Who typically makes sure at the end of church that the golf cart is locked up so nicely in its beautiful home in the fellowship hall and that all our doors here in the sanctuary are locked up. Ray, good job, pictured right here, Ray. Ray's in the back, hey Ray, how you doing? Who makes sure that there are two cups of water sitting here for Ferdy or whoever is preaching just in case they need something to drink? Ah, maybe you don't know that one. It's Paige McLemore. Woo! And then Ray always checks. He comes up here. She puts him up. He comes up. Yep, they're there. We're good. See, it's important. There are so many things that happen behind the scenes that most people aren't even aware of. But all of these jobs are important on a Sunday morning. Of course, there are numerous things that happen during the week as well. We have Bible studies, small groups, um, handyman, for example, I know Scott went out, he's been helping some people with their cars. If your car has an issue, he's not an auto mechanic, but he is great at watching YouTube and figuring out how to fix things. It's like staying at a Holiday Inn Express, right? It just makes you smarter. What about these chandeliers? They have light bulbs in them, and for a long time they were popping and they were causing lots of problems. So who might fix those? Besides Mr. McLemore, who always comes in and observes. We have crazy teenagers who are getting older and older now that would come in. Pictured on the ladder is my son, Andrew. <sighs> so they would come in and they would change the light bulbs, but they would have fun doing it, so it was all good. As individuals, we are all diverse in our backgrounds, in our likes, in our dislikes, and in our gifts. But as the church, when we use our diversities, when we include all our different backgrounds, our likes and our dislikes, all those gifts, we can use those diversities to glorify our Lord, to come together as one. We raise our voices as one. We serve as one. We are the body of Christ. Amen?